Vixies, Vixens, and anybody who's, uh, you know, still here listening to us after these months of hiatus. Uh, sorry, y'all. Um, I've been <laughs> kind of busy with uh, pregnancy brain fog. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm growing a human and it's exhausting. And uh, it's actually, you know, getting close to past my bedtime. And so Jesse's been uh, patiently waiting for me to try and uh, gain more energy and rejoin our podcasting world and circles here. So um, bear with me. And uh, I'm, it's good to be back, Jesse. Yes, I think definitely it's good to get back into the groove of recording again. I know we need to do more of this. And uh, especially since, uh, like I mentioned, there's a baby coming and there will be an even longer period of time where I'm not going to be able to function. Um, but uh, we'll see. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'll impress myself even at uh, my multitasking capabilities. But that is for a few more months of uh, planning and figuring out and uh, down the roading. So we'll cross that bridge at some other point. <laughs> um so tonight, uh, back in action here, Jesse and I are joined by Dr. Irene Mavrakakis, and I'm so happy that she's actually like somebody in this uh, circle of ours that lives fairly close to me, and which is always a you know fun and striking thing because here in the uh, you know DC Baltimore suburbs and whatnot, it's not super liberty friendly. <laughs> And so welcome to the show, Dr. Mav. Well, thank you, Maddie and Jesse. Thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Yes, thank you for coming. And I love, um, you know, shout out to just like networking and finding people through people, but actually found you, Dr. Mav, through um, Anthony Samaroff, who he's probably in the States as we speak, or like will be soon. Cause I know he's also um, going to be meeting up with you this weekend for uh, the upcoming Liberty Speaks uh, second annual um, weekend event. It... Yes, exactly. So Liberty Speaks 2 is October 8th and 9th in Goldsboro, Maryland. And Anthony was a speaker last year and I am picking him up from BWI on Friday. Oh, perfect. <laughs> he'll be here and he'll stay a couple of days extra with us um, just to hang out. We came, became really good friends last year. Actually, he was supposed to go to a Bitcoin conference and I didn't really know him. And I just messaged him and said, no, 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 you have to come to Delaware and come to Liberty Speaks, which no one even knew what that was. We didn't even have a website. And he's like, OK, I'll come. And then we've been like great friends. <laughs> Right. So you needed a gentleman from Scotland to introduce yeah. to someone in Delaware who's, you know, an hour. I know, away. Right. <laughs> yes. I He's mean, great. the world is sometimes like that small and weird and uncanny. And um, I've known Anthony for a while now through, through the Internet. Um, and then I actually got to meet him in person of all places, actually maybe twice in person now. But um you actually, I might have to actually have to quiz him when, when we have met, because it might've been twice at this point. Um, so the other like local to this area Liberty event that I frequent um, is the Ron Paul annual luncheon, which, you know, purposefully they set it up in the belly of the beast right there down in Dulles um, for better and for worse. Uh, it's a little intimidating always being in that setting, but also kind of feels pretty good to like, you know, stick it to them in a little bit of a way. Um, so I think I may have met him there last year and then also ran into him at um, Tom Woods 2000 um, down in Orlando. So it's just, you know, I love getting out there um, and meeting people in person. And it's been such a great period of uh, Jesse and I like meeting folks through the internet over the past few years. And especially like those mm -hmm those who are like-minded and those who are um, out there really advocating for people like us uh, who might have seen things differently than the uh, mainstream or the uh, corporate press and the government uh, mouthpieces, I guess, from uh, March, 22, March 2020 on. So like people like you who are actually practicing in that field um, and speaking out despite your position I think it's it's incredibly valuable and we really appreciate everything that you're doing well thanks of course my specialty 
is interventional spine. So I don't, you know, diagnose COVID patients and I don't give people COVID vaccines. Um, and I was a little bit fearful speaking out in the beginning. And um, I went through a lot of personal struggles um, because as someone who was vaccine injured by the flu vaccine in 2012, um, and I was really sick for six, seven, eight years, very sick for a very long time, um, just barely functioning while trying to raise two kids. Um, and I am so much better. I take no medications. I developed all these weird, crazy allergies and had to mm. go to Hopkins and through a lot of different processes. I currently have almost all my foods back. I got peanuts back last year, um, just a couple of food allergies and I take no medicine. So um, you can recover from a vaccine injury. Mine was different. It wasn't neurological. It was on the allergy side of things. And I've been researching the origins of anaphylaxis as it relates to food antigens and adjuvants and excipients and vaccines. So that's one area of um, research I've been looking into for 10 years. There's actually a lot of articles about that. So we can talk about that if you want. Um, because, you know, by happenstance, there's legume oil in adjuvants and excipients, mm. which is mm. if you inject someone with a food substance in their arm, it bypasses first pass metabolisms and it sensitizes you to subsequent exposure. And if you think about it, there's a famous uh, person called Charles Rickett. He won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1913 for the origins of anaphylaxis. And mm. he discusses how injection sensitizes you to subsequent allergy, just like the idea that the dead virus in vaccines is supposed to make you produce B and T cells. If you inject organic material or an antigen that is food related, you create IgE and that hangs out on your mast cells and subsequent exposure leads to anaphylaxis. And so it took me four or five years to get a book that listed legume oil as an adjuvant and excipient. I actually have a hard copy of that book. It has, you know, pages and pages of the adjuvants and excipients. It took me two years to figure out that the other ingredients and in vaccines are called adjuvants and excipients because I kept researching ingredients. And really mm. it was because I was so deathly <clears throat> ill with recurrent anaphylaxis that I needed to know what the heck is in these mm -hmm. additives. So actually it's not, you know, the dead virus per se in traditional vaccines that concerns me. But if you go to the CDC and look up PDF file adjuvants and excipients, it'll list all the other ingredients that are put in this and this is injected into people. And then we could go on and on and on about how we're the most heavily vaccinated country over 70 doses over, you know, up to 18 years old, plus all the adults. And, you know, compared to Sweden and Finland that have much less vaccines. And you can, of course, say that, you know, we're 36 in the world mm -hmm. for health and wellness and we're the most vaccinated. And people will argue and say, oh, well, of course, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation. But the next sentence should not be dismissal of the concept. It should be, well, let's mm -hmm. research this for further. And in light of the fact that you know, I can submit a Freedom of Information Act about what studies, safety studies have been done in the current vaccine schedule. And that was adjudicated and led to the fact that there's been no studies as mandated by the Healthcare Compensation Fund law that removed product liability in 1986. There's been no studies. So who the heck knows what the long-term adverse effects of adjuvants and excipients are? Well, I think we do now. And unfortunately, the veil has been lifted through the COVID vaccination debacle. That was a very long answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our hope is that it's being lifted, but I don't know. Um, I'm not that hopeful that it's that like blatantly obvious and like out in the, out in the mainstream. Not I, like, I, I want a better word for mainstream. Um, the populace, the masses, um, the normies. Um, that's unkind <laughs> maybe, but I, I well, still see it as people like taking it for granted that what whatever the CDC and or these governmental bodies is recommending is gospel and it's safe and it's necessary, even if it's something you mentioned, I 70, I like I think it, it's like 70 or 72 is on the current schedule for children. And it's like that was never in the cards for, you know, even us like I'm the youngest um, 
Jesse's a little bit older than me. Like all of us have had our own probably, you know, vaccines from childhood. And then Mm -hmm. our parents had, you know, whatever they had, but it's like the exponential seemingly unending growth in that list is just bonkers. When you, when you look at it, it, it's frightening. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's really kind of upsetting, I would say, to the normies per se, because (laughs) in order for them to accept what really is happening, and worse so during COVID mania, is that there's a complete disconnect related to the actual science. And they use pseudoscience to vaccinate for a respiratory virus during a pandemic, which has never been done before. Respiratory viruses mutating is obviously something that is always going to be the case with a vaccine mRNA technology that has never been used in humans before. And so the idea that everybody's following CDC guidance, but the absurdity of all of that is the CDC foundation, which is the pharmaceutical arm of, you know, big pharma donates to the CDC. So the CDC is not actually even an independent governmental organization that has no authority. But because doctors and patients and politicians have fear, they actually listen to the CDC guidance, which has no teeth or mandate as it relates to it. So then you can go back to the problems of your government, of your state, you know, politicians, your governors and all those who decided to use guidance related to an entity that actually has no authority. And then we can go back to the physicians and the pharmacists who did not provide informed consent, which is a violation of the standard of care and ethics for which the lawyers can go after them for, and they will, and I will help them because there's product liability for the vaccines, but providing informed consent that's standard medical practice, and they did not provide informed consent. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. It's very huge. Yes. And it's true because whenever we give anybody a medical procedure and we can even extrapolate that into forced testing of PCR testing, which is an invalid test as it relates to the diagnosis of clinical disease, because they use PCR testing for C. diff, but you have to have clinical symptoms. So, and it was peer reviewed over a year ago and was determined to be invalid as it relates to the diagnosis and treatment of coronavirus. So that's a whole other can of worms, forced testing. Then we could talk about Mm -hmm. forced masks, forced social isolation. Those are all medical interventions that were not based on scientific validity and that we can all go after the people that helped make those decisions and including the medical people. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the suffering is profound. We did not use science during this pandemic. We did not use logic. We did not use economic science and we did not even use biological science. Mm Mm-mm. We use nothing, nothing, whims That's right. <clears throat> and magic and voodoo. No, it yeah. actually doesn't even make sense. I say to people, so wait, explain this to me. So they told you to run to your houses and not hug grandma and put a mask on your face that doesn't serve any purpose so that you could not get said spike protein from said COVID virus, even though we all know natural immunity, which turned out to be, of course, 27 times or more, more protective than vaccinated immunity, which we know is actually the case for the overwhelming majority of situations, right? So that they can inject mRNA so that you can actually produce said spike protein. I mean, that is just actually absurd, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't even make sense. I mean, the science behind respiratory virus vaccination is questionable, even so, because they mutate so often. That's why every year they have the flu vaccine. The even worse part of all of that is there's a 2018 study that demonstrated that coronavirus um, in flu vaccinated patients, coronavirus susceptibility increased by 36% Department of Defense study, British Journal of Medicine, I believe. So you have increased susceptibility in the vaccinated. So what happened in the beginning of the pandemic when they had that high peak in the curve that that British statistician said that we're all going to die and it's the end of the world is because those were heavily vaccinated populations. So the military heavily vaccinated, nurses heavily vaccinated and um, elderly heavily vaccinated to the flu vaccine. Now, I can't even figure out why flu vaccine increases coronavirus susceptibility by 36% other than there might be an antigenetic contaminant that crosses with the PCR testing, but that's just a hypothesis right? So then you can even say that the flu vaccinated patients who are exposed to the COVID antigen and or another COVID vaccine, the problems that they have in day six to eight are allergy 
mediated, immune mediated related to the cytokine storm has the huge component, which goes back to the original discussion we had in the beginning of this podcast, which is injection of said antigen increases sensitization and production of IgE because actually there's multiple studies that question whether or not you should be injecting respiratory viral antigen into people's arms because it's not the natural pathway of disease and respiratory viruses, the fight begins with IgA in your nasopharynx. I mean, that all makes so much sense to me. I wish um, we were allowed to have these conversations or folks like you were allowed to have your co- these conversations. Mm-hmm. And um, I know um, before we started recording, you mentioned that you and a few colleagues, um, you know, actually went and presented to the governor of uh, Delaware and his, um, you know, body or board of doctors and professional health um, healthcare providers or whatever he's kind of got, got orchestrated. But it's like, unfortunately, I'm again, like I already said, we're very grateful you did this. But the fact that like you weren't able to do this until so far later in the game when it was a really crucial conversation to be had early. But I still remember I will I will never forget those two emergency medical doctors that were in California that mm-hmm. kind of came yeah. out in like what, April? like early mm-hmm. April, just had that press conference and spoke so much just pure logic and, and data yeah. and numbers and what they were seeing. And it all made so much sense. And I was like, Oh yeah, well, perfect. Like, okay, great. As long as just all we need to do is listen to these guys and we're set. That was so naive of me, even though even, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to not, um, to not expect like it to be that easy when the government and their, attempt to control us all is at stake. Um, but you know, they were, I feel like they've, uh, had to kind of probably lay really low and a lot of other folks have, mm-hmm. it's just such a shame. Well, yeah, they were completely destroyed and vilified. It took me a while to start speaking out. I was told to be quiet. Um, we won't go into who told me to be quiet. Hmm. Um, And I was fearful for a long time, just behind the scenes through some non-medical people, wrote some articles, you know, wrote some flyers um, and was protected by my small inner community of Mm. Liberty people in the beginning because I was afraid. And then, you know, the it's a small state. So I saw the governor at a rally and I went up to him and he kind of knew me because I've been here for a long time and, you know, he wasn't sure which doctor I was. And I said, you know, I feel like you don't have a balanced presentation of what's really going on, but it took me three to six months to get, you know, 40 or 50 other doctors and healthcare providers into my organization um, to do the presentation, to fully source and cite it, to present the slides. And then we finally did it on a zoom meeting with the top docs in Delaware. And they said nothing and asked us for the slides and never followed up. Well, we did record the meeting though. So we have evidence that we told them, you know, nine or 10 months ago. Um, And then I redid the presentation. Like I told you, it's on our YouTube channel, Liberty Speaks YouTube, and it's uh, COVID mania and the Sovietization of American medicine. And it's fully sourced um, with references on COVID, COVID treatment, um, the vaccine adverse event reporting system. You know, the vaccine adverse event reporting system has been established since 1986 that removed product liability. And that's quintessential government interference. And $7 billion before COVID was paid out for vaccine injuries before COVID, right? And multiple vaccines have been withdrawn for much less vaccine adverse reactions. So I really don't know what's going on with everybody, but I can tell you this, the way I look at the world, it's just a bunch of mishaps, misunderstandings, and money-driven um, disasters. Because, you know, I know personally that I started to research vaccines when some military members presented me with the squalene adverse reactions and this book called Vaccine A, written by Gary Miyasamuto. Mm-hmm. And that's related to the Dover Air Force Base and some other things. And I read that before my vaccine injury. I was open to it, but I still didn't really understand it because we don't learn anything about what adjuvants and excipients were. And then it took me for literally for me to almost die many times from my vaccine injury from the flu vaccine related to them pushing that for me to start waking up. And then it took me another 10 years to really fully understand that and become a libertarian as a former Democrat, former Republican. So what I'm saying is the overwhelming majority of physicians don't know Mm -hmm. and are well-intended 
and really don't know what's going on because I read a lot of articles and I've been looking at this for 10 years and it took me a long time to figure this out and it took me a long time to speak out. So I just want to kind of put it out there for physician colleagues that, and I'm not smarter than anybody else. I just happen to have a horrible experience with <laughs> vaccines that made me look into it. The overwhelming majority of physicians just really don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> It's hard to know everything, right? And um, you guys as doctors and caregivers, you're expected to be the experts. And yeah, I, I can empathize or sympathize with like that being a lot of pressure, I think, on a lot of people and um, people succumbing to that pressure and in one way, shape or form and not having any idea that they've been led astray by folks or organizations or institutions that they rely on and that they put all their trust in. I mean, that's, I'm, st I, I work for the experts and, um, you know, I've sat on many, I've sat in many a meeting, whether it was actually like literally COVID at the, at the topic, um, COVID as the topic of conversation and, or just, you know, how now living this post COVID or I, I, I don't know what we call it, but the COVID era, um, and like how it gets kind of like brought into conversation still. And it still amazes me just how these incredibly intelligent experts, uh, quote unquote, um, like you said, they literally must have, <laughs> um, you know, either never looked into this themselves before and really trust the authorities that have pointed them in, um, I think the wrong direction, um, nefariously, or just again, um, maybe a little bit, uh, negligently, um, or when they do hear, um, you know, the confront your data that confronts their views, they're silent and they dismiss it one way, shape or form. It's easier to, um, just ignore it and move on and continue and to not change their mind and to not be open. Um, yeah, because so just think about it, even knowing all of that, it took me some time to speak out as a vaccine injured person, you know, and I'm generally a nice person, you know, I try to, <laughs> but it was scary because it's just scary. And my whole family um, was tough because I started telling them all this in March of 2020. There's an email that I wrote to Jeffrey, Jeremy Hammond telling him that I wanted to talk to him. It's a long story. Never got to talk to him because I knew all of this in the mm. beginning, not me and thousands of other doctors. I'm not that brilliant, right? But what I'm saying is the other doctors, they gave these vaccines to their children, to themselves. They trust the CDC. I used to trust the CDC. What I'm saying is when they find out what they were part of unknowingly, it's going to break them, break their hearts. There's a lot of doctors that are just going to be destroyed. I mean, there's other lives destroyed and people are getting vaccine injured. But I would again say the overwhelming majority of physicians did not mean any harm and really just don't know. And it's not because they're not smart. They just didn't have a reason to look into it. We didn't learn any of this in med school. I mean, when I first, you know, it was interesting. I don't regret being vaccine injured and being sick for a very long time because the truth is I had a lot of time to read articles because I couldn't do anything else. I mean, I was so sick. They took away all my, when I went to Hopkins, I was on like 120 milligrams of prednisone and this cool medicine called gastrochrome, which is a mass cell stabilizer, saved my life. They literally gave me a list and he said, you're only allowed to eat these 20 foods. And yeah. it was like one vegetable, peas, no fruits and meat and eggs and chocolate. Thank God. And thank literally, God. <laughs> and like my insurance company's like, you can't have EpiPen again because you had too many this month. I'm like, well, you guys pretty much suck. I mean, that's a whole other podcast about my experience Jeez. as a sick physician in a local hospital, you know, being a frequent flyer in my own ER and them saying, oh, well, you're probably okay. I'm like, okay, look, I have no lips. They can't see me. I have no lips. And I had Anna Nicole lips, like seriously, you know? <laughs> No, like, you know, and then one time they're like, what are you afraid of? I'm like, well, I'm an anesthesiologist. I'm afraid of a can't intubate, can't ventilate situation. What the hell do you think I'm afraid of? You know, I'm not afraid of anything else, you know? So 
Um, it's been a long road, but I actually don't regret my vaccine injury. And it really, my kids are 20 and 27 and it was tough for them because I was really sick, um, for a very long time. I didn't want to be that sick parent. And, um, you know, like my, like I said, my son got a vaccine against my wishes and wound up in the ER with a vaccine injury because we are susceptible to something genetically, you know, up with us, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and my daughter, um, she, uh, has a religious exemption with Christians. So, um, which is what I would have done. I have a medical exemption for all the entities that I work at because of my vaccine injury, but I would have never gotten it. I would have gotten a religious exemption, although a local hospital denied them all. And I have COVID tested every Monday for the last year and a half, two years. Um, I they still make you do that there. Yeah. Because it's part of the mandate, not my current employer, my current office, like my practice, mm -hmm. but because I do procedures in surgical centers in the hospital, yeah. all three entities require that I COVID test every Monday. So I literally have been COVID testing every Monday for the last year and a half, two years. And the first time I tested, it was such mind F because the idea of me testing for something. I don't stick it up my nose. There's a certain way I do it. I, you know, have a local lab that takes it and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I literally am complicit and I had to prey on it really. But, you know, I, I, I think I'm a good doctor. I take care of a lot of patients. I've been here for 23 years. I like what I do. And I, me shouting from the rooftops, refusing to COVID test and abandon, you know, 23 years of patients who I've been taking care of in the community that doesn't have a lot of doctors with me is not, really the Christian way. So I had to kind of get over myself, get off my soapbox and just do it. But it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty mm -hmm. at all. You know, even from a libertarian perspective, submitting my private personal health information um, to get my vaccine injury. And the thing is, the people at the hospital, they all knew I was vaccine injured because everybody knew how sick I was in 2012. And they all knew it was from the flu vaccine, which converted my mild latex allergy to latex anaphylaxis because it was latex containing, which is a whole other Jeez. down the rabbit hole um, disaster. Yeah. I think it's just crazy because like I live in Tennessee and... <sighs> Like my, my father actually had open heart surgery a week, week ago and we didn't have to wear masks. Nobody cared about our vaccine status. It was just crazy. It's just like, it just completely disappeared like good. one day. <laughs> yeah, it is good. I mean, I'm just lucky that I live in a state where I guess we, none of us want to be part of any of that. So that's at least anybody in our government right now. So that's good. Those oh, elements. You live, in you live in Tennessee. The Michael Wilson is coming to speak at Liberty Speaks. He's running for governor in Tennessee on the Libertarian Party ticket. He's actually coming up. Oh, nice. good. Good. Just, we're getting some of the local candidates to come up. Mm. Yeah, that's very cool. So actually, I guess, even though I could, we could talk to you like about just your background for a long time. I guess technically let's um, maybe go back to like the event itself um, and, and, you know, highlights for this coming year, as we said before, it's this coming weekend, um, October 8th and 9th. Um, I'm uh, bummed I can't make it, but hopefully it's a huge success and that I'll be there next year, um, especially because it's actually like very close to me and, you know, so <laughs> I'm happy to venture out into mingle with these peeps and this neck in my neck of the woods. And so, um, yeah, what do we got? What do we, what do we got on the agenda? So Liberty Speaks 2 is October 8th and 9th in Goldsboro, Maryland. A friend of mine owns a fully restored revolutionary era home. So wow. the speakers are actually staying at the property in these amazing rooms. I was there today, just taking some extra pictures awesome. um, on six acres of land. So we're really super excited about that part. The, the point of it is to really go over two concepts that we want the rest of the world to maybe start paying attention to. I mean, a lot of people are doing this, but we're trying to really make medical freedom, Austrian economics, and the concepts of liberty outside of the Libertarian Party be extended out as an outreach to the rest of the world and really just try to make people understand that we have right 
to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know? So, and we want to talk about the idea of complexity and mythology, right? So all of the things that we were talking about COVID is really a bunch of complex issues and pseudoscience and myths. Like there's been a lot of myths in science that really have led us to be confused and not understanding what we're really supposed to be doing as it relates to our freedoms and as it relates to the science of health and medicine, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as it relates to coronavirus, of course, you know, there's thousands and thousands of viruses and you just keep terrain healthy and you fight it off because God gave us immune systems, right? So the whole idea of trying to vaccinate out of pandemics is ridiculous. So that's the basic concept. So my co-founder, which is Jorge Basada, who is on the economy or science sphere Mm. is the one who's going to be speaking about uh, all these different concepts about Austrian economics um, and about how these other concepts of making people understand that the basic principles of economy from the Austrian school lead to a path to freedom, lead a path to understanding, which can tie into even discussing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, right? So that's how far we're going to go. So then we have another speaker that's coming, which I'm sure you all know, Professional Michael Richtenwald. He's going to come speak. And the title of his speech is Ideology Versus Myth, Why Free Market Thinking is Non-Ideological. We're super thrilled for him to be coming. Um, In between some of the major speakers, we have a physician colleague of mine who was on staff at the hospital for 20, 30 years, was chairman of the department, and he lost his medical staff privileges for his denial of his religious exemption. Um, and then we have Dr. Paul Isaacs, who is going to speak about suffering rejection after serving through the pandemic. So he is the chaplain at our local hospital who had to resign because they denied his religious exemption. Oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, seriously. Wait, so that the chaplain, the chaplain, are you kidding hospital, me? No. <laughs> denied his religious the, exemption. Uh... Yeah, it's terrible. So the hospital, yeah, there's a whole bunch of lawsuits related to that because they denied the overwhelming majority of religious and medical exemptions. Mine was approved, right? But if you, it's a reasonable accommodation, like who are you to determine, right? So there's a whole big mess related, but yeah, he resigned and he was vaccine injured from the flu vaccine, tried for a medical exemption. They denied that, tried for religious exemption and denied. And me and him are the best of friends. We met at a rally and he's speaking at Liberty Speaks and he's great me a lot about you know bible passages that i don't fully understand so um and then we have david perry he's a local musician he's gonna you know talk to us and then i'm sure you guys of course know karen and harlow so mm-hmm. the title of her talk is straight out of ephesians right and having done all to stand <laughs> right so you know it's about what happened over the last few years and some other things and she just summarized it you never know when it's time for you to stand through something that's, you know, injustice is seen. And so um, I'm so looking forward to her coming and we're so grateful that she's coming to speak. Then we have some local politicians. Cody McNutt is running for U.S. Congress in Delaware. Professor Walter Block, he's not able to make it, but he's going to do a pre-recorded interview with nice. Jorge Basada, my co-founder, um, on the various eras related to Jew-Gentile conflicts, right? And it's all based on myths, misunderstandings, right? That's why the world is so messed up because what I tell people is that I think what unites us is far greater than what divides us, that love is always the way. And then really that we should stop talking about the divisive politics of the duopoly, which is, you know, God, gun, gays, abortion, and race, and really talk about food, love, water, community, and shelter, right? So- just getting out of that whole space of talking about stuff that really serves no purpose. Yeah. We're never going to agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, LaMichael Wilson, governor of Tennessee. We just talked about it. David Lashar, mm-hmm. who is running on a libertarian ticket in Maryland. Um, and he is doing really well. So we're super excited about him. And then Anthony Samaroff, his talk. <laughs> so awesome. It's entitled the emperor wears no scrubs. Super <laughs> awesome. Nice. Love Anthony. Um, and then the next day, I'm going to speak as we discuss the Sovietization of American medicine, America's Fauci as a comparison to Trifon Lysenko, um, which is super interesting. I've been learning about that the last year or so. Then we have a nurse from Pennsylvania who's going to speak on mental health and medical freedom, another local candidate, 
and Celia Farber, who's going to talk about an uncensored history of HIV. And she mm. was someone that um, had a lot of involvement in RFK Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Um, so we are so grateful that she's coming to speak. And then Spike Cohen, who was at Liberty Speaks One, is coming and he's going to speak about cultivating a culture of liberty. That's also on Sunday. Um, and I'm going to plug another event that contradicts my event on Saturday. Spike, we have on Sunday because Spike is speaking at the Julian Assange event in D.C. Oh, wow. 12 to 3 in D.C., which is just an hour and a half west of us. So we're super glad that he's speaking at that event. He'll speak at our event on Sunday. And we're promoting the Julian Assange event on our website. Everybody should go there. And if you want to come to us afterwards on Sunday or the next day, because that's super duper more important than Liberty Speaks. Okay. So <laughs> go to Assange, then we'll see you the next day or later on. Um, and then Mike Termat, who is the declared, you know, running for president libertarian candidate as of now. And he is going to be speaking on the Golden New Deal. So, of course, I'm a Dave Smith fan. And um, but also Mike Termat has a lot to say. And I believe that the Libertarian Party needs to have kind of a primary process. We need to have presidential candidates starting to speak early. We need early debates before convention, because otherwise we're behind the eight ball if we go in general election. So that's one thing that I want to talk to people about is maybe getting some other organizations to work with us about having some debates amongst the candidates who decide to announce. Now, we know other people haven't announced, um, but, you know, Mike's going to come speak and give us some great ideas. He is, uh, you know, very, very knowledgeable, has worked in the White House before. Hmm. Dan Fishman is going to speak as well. Dwayne Lester. Dale Thomas is a local uh, Liberty person who actually is going to speak about ranked choice voting, which is mm. a progressive concept, maybe get some Dems in, but it's a good idea. And I think we need to listen to other day ideas. Reed Coverdale is going to speak about libertarian Zionism. So we're super excited that Reed is coming. Um, I can't wait to meet him. I've never met him before and everybody <laughs> kind of knows him. And then Jorge Basada is our co-founder, and he's going to speak about economic ignorance as the source of racial problems. And then we're going to have a Q&A and a VAP meet and greet and food trucks and farm animals and peacocks. And, oh, man. You know, so I hope I didn't <laughs> talk too fast. No, a stacked lineup and a good time. I'm really bummed, um, especially just like, you know, this hybrid for me really... Um, is my jam so this uh, dang it if only my sister-in-law wasn't getting married this weekend um, <laughs> tell her to just delay it just you know bump it for me and my <laughs> nerdy liberty things that they wouldn't get <laughs> but um no that's so cool and again like this is you know your second year doing this um it's such a stacked lineup <laughs> that i have to imagine it's going to um, kind of help you make a year three, hopefully that much easier to put together um, and bring people out for it. Yeah, it's definitely all I do other than see patients and, but it's totally worth it because what else would I be doing? We really believe that getting the right ideas out will help people, you know, understand um, why they have a right to liberty. And we're just these two little people you know, I tell people I'm just this rock that you throw in a lake and has a little ripple, but maybe my rock will line up with a whole bunch of other people's rocks and we'll make a wave of liberty. I mean, that's the idea. We know that we're pretty small right now, but, you know, I just feel like I need to do something, especially with the fact that I know what happened this year and mm -hmm. last year. I understand mm -hmm. what happened. And then Jorge, we never even met until March of this year, when he wandered into the Delaware convention, I had given a little mini talk of what my presentation is about COVID. Nice. He's a Florida libertarian and um, he's brilliant on the ideas of Mises and Hayek and Spencer. And I've learned so much about that, but you know, he's definitely someone that needs to talk about all those ideas. And so we blended medical freedom with Misessian ideas and uh, that's that's what we're just trying to you know do a little bit of help and uh make things better but we definitely plan to do more things and um it's been a wild ride yes definitely i mean 
sounds like I'm, I'm <laughs> again, like you kind of said, uh, that you don't regret, um, your injury and all the suffering that you endured during that time. Um, cause like, look how far it's, um, brought you and what you're now bringing to all of us. So thanks. Yeah. I mean, oh. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I mean, of course, what you guys do in this space, your podcast, and I was looking at some of your previous speakers, I think getting the truth out is so important. And you guys are so knowledgeable. And I was so comfortable being able to speak all my medical mumbo jumbo to you guys, because <laughs> I know you already know this stuff. Um mm -hmm. And um, I think it must be kind of fun to hear a doctor say what you've been thinking or knowing potentially for a long time. Um, the best. I, <laughs> it's so relieving. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I cried a lot the last two years, but, um, you know, now I stay in the full armor of God space. That's where I'm at. And, uh, you know, I do my best. So I, I think you guys do such a remarkable job and I'm so grateful that I have a place to tell all these ideas to, and that you guys got me on. It's super cool. Thank you. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are my new best friends. <laughs> Let's hang. We don't be yeah. that far. I know we're not. So and I, so I've still never met Jesse in person. Um <laughs> but Jesse's far. Um yeah. far-ish. Uh, you know, we'll get around to it, but um, you know, maybe Liberty Speaks 3 is a good opportunity for Jesse to kind of like caravan up or up to my way. But um I definitely need to make some uh visits down to Tennessee too. It's been a while. Um yeah. I guess like we're probably getting to the end of an hour here, but I'm still a little curious if it's not, don't hold back if it's a long story, but like, if it's not terribly long a story, I'm kind of, I, I pick, was picking up on a few on, of your, um, you know, historical like tidbits of your life and that you, I think, didn't wake up to sort of all these like libertarian-esque ideas until also after you were sick or when did that all happen for you? Right. So I was originally a New York Democrat because my parents are immigrants from Europe and I grew up in New York City. And then I became a Republican, not active because I thought all doctors should be Republicans. And then actually I woke up some during the Gary Johnson campaign and heavily promoted the campaign. And I was on Slack and I wanted to be on the health team. And that's when I was sick at that point because my injury was 2012. So okay. I wanted to influence you know, politics. And I do have this pie in the sky dream of being surgeon general. So don't laugh at me and, um, join civil air patrol locally. So I do have rank and I'm also learning how to fly small engine planes and all those awesome. other, but I did wake up during the Gary Johnson campaign and I was analyzing polls and I realized like, these are not real polls. These are fake. And then when they didn't mm -hmm. let them do the presidential debate commission debacle, which is not any authority that has a right to tell anybody. It's just an independent organization, which goes back to the fact that we need to have libertarian debates. And if we have to do it, then we're going to do it. But someone needs to do that. And then the Joe Jorgensen campaign, I met all these super cool Delaware libertarians. And then someone said, you know, you should join the Mises caucus. Well, at that point, maybe two, three years ago, I didn't know who Mises was or a caucus was. And so I got educated on that. And then I was Spike's driver for his presidential campaign when he was <laughs> over. We had an event and I was literally getting his food and handing him articles about flu vaccine increasing coronavirus susceptibility and telling him about like how this is all really not supposed to happen. Like this is no reason, you know, and I wow. Spike, he probably thought <laughs> coming again and it came last year and him and Tasha do answer my messages so I guess I didn't scare him away um and then I I'm very much a spikeaholic I just think him and Tasha are wonderful people and you know when I asked him to speak at Liberty Speaks he answered you know really quickly and you know they're coming a couple of days extra and we're going to get to spend time with them and I'm so excited about them coming. So then now I'm a Mises Caucus Libertarian, but I'm not, I'm a uniter, right? I'm, you know, I'll talk to anybody literally about anything Liberty and give you a hug. <laughs> and give you a hug. <laughs> wow. 
what a what a long journey I always enjoy yeah. I always enjoy listening to people's like you know how they how they found themselves where they are that we're you know speaking to them and um that we found them so it's always um it's always interesting yeah well next time I talk to you guys not on a podcast when we have tea or beer or something maybe you guys can tell me about your journey because I'm sure it's quite interesting I'm just so (laughs) (laughs) there's other liberty people close by oh my gosh yes we're here yeah it's strange how actually I feel like there's so few people in the medical field that are like you know liberty minded so it's nice to find somebody yeah it um we have to be there for the people when they realize what was what was done and not blame them and not judge them Mm -hmm. and realize that they didn't know doctors and nurses and all our colleagues um they just didn't know they didn't have a reason to know they're going to be so heartbroken especially in California now that they, A, um, all the doctors are going to leave, right? Now they're censoring, um, Oh, right? That hmm. bill was signed and then yeah. just put forth another law. I don't know if it was signed to mandate COVID <clears throat> vaccines for children, which is completely unscientific and incredibly dangerous. I mean, it, the data is already out a long time ago. The risk far outweighs the benefit. You have to remember that we're supposed to first do no harm. We forgot that. Exactly, exactly. That's been my biggest like preach this entire three, four years is what are we, how, how are we actually doing what we say we're, we're supposed to be doing and and nursing in general, like, you know, we're supposed to be the eyes and ears for the doctors. And I mean, we're like these last couple of years, I'm just watching nurses just completely just ignore all the signs and just like harm patients and it's I don't know it's just been very eye-opening yeah it's upsetting but I always try to tell people I mean so it's fear lack of knowledge again I'm just one person I'm not smart there's thousands and thousands of doctors that know this and also they didn't spend the time but also they're these human beings on a journey who don't know what they don't know or they're afraid but Mm -hmm. There's some, some of the decision makers and some of the people that were so aggressive, you know, these people need to lose their licenses. So yeah. I think someone, I think we yes. should report Fauci to his medical board. So he loses his license. All those decision makers, we should play the same strategy that they do for doctors who are speaking because the truth is he is disseminating misinformation, right? So mm-hmm. the doctors on uh, my side of things are telling you know, the scientific basis of what really happened. And so, you know, maybe that's what should happen. But there are some people, which I've said for two years, that it's crimes against humanity for some of the decision makers. Um, Because, um, and tying, you know, vaccines to civil liberties, you know, coercion and forcing and jobs is Mm. just all incredibly- Absolutely abuse. Yeah, it's un-American. It's against, you know, God's- our God-given natural law rights of body autonomy. I mean, it's just there's so much wrong with this. And I hope that, you know, people are held personally responsible, but, you know, that's not for me to judge, but I'll help any attorney that I can. And I've spoken to some local attorneys who have been slowly waking up over the last two years about informed consent because, you know, I see auto accident workers comp cases. So I have some friends. Good to know. And uh, I might even talk to you separately, but... Um, I mentioned like I work in the medical legal field. I work um, on behalf of the quote unquote experts. And so one of my first sort of allies in the space was Dr. Jancy Lindsay. Um, and she's a you know molecular toxicologist, molecular biologist, um, PhD expert witness. And so I had met her a few times and we had you know a professional relationship. And then when she bravely kind of came out saying to our boss to be relayed to the client that was that had hired her at the time that she would no longer work on their behalf even if it was a completely separate um topic or you know reason for doing so because of what they were doing with the vaccine rollouts and even though where she was um doing work on their behalf and researching all that stuff sort of lined up scientifically 
that there was no harm. Um, you know, this is safe. This is what the science shows. And everybody, of course, you know, ate that up, right? Like, so it all depends on like what you're saying when and to whom. So that all was, you know, great. Exactly what they wanted to hear. Um, I think it was medically um, and ethically sound what she was saying. Like it, all the all the dots sort of lined up. It made sense. It was logical. It was justifiable and defendable. And then, you know, for her to all of a sudden be considered this quack um, because she was questioning the vaccine rollout and has now like been a very outspoken voice um, in this field. She's a quack and she's an anti-vaxxer. And it's like all of that, mm -hmm. her having a dissenting opinion in this topic that she isn't is allowed to have some expertise in and and speak to she's a, you know just because she's questioning the quote-unquote science tm she's been um we haven't worked with her since unfortunately but um i root for her all the time and i know she still you know does her own thing and practices as an expert witness where she can um props to her um props to people like you her all of you just keep doing it because it's so important. Well, I mean, I probably should have spoken out sooner and I do have some guilt about that. Um, it's much easier the last few months to speak out because I have thousands and thousands of doctors and just think Simone Gold is a lawyer and attorney and for a misdemeanor, they put her in jail for 60 days, you know, or Amazing. longer. Um, we did, I tried to reach out to her. She's so busy. She had just gotten out of jail. I sent her a message on Twitter trying to get her to speak because I just thought she would be the perfect person to speak. At this but, um, maybe next year. Yeah. But so I didn't go to jail for it, you know, like, and I should have spoken out earlier and I'm trying and, um, but, um, there's some doctors that put themselves out there way before me and some doctors that are way knowledgeable than me. And those are the ones that we should support. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm just this little rock throwing herself in the lake, hoping to help some other rocks, you know? The water's warm. <laughs> Come on in. There's truth. Science. Come on in. <laughs> I just think the more that people talk about it and speak up about it, then it just makes more because I think the truth of the matter is I, I think that the majority of people could sense that this was off and that this there was something wrong about all of this. And the more that people speak up about it, it just makes people more confident to, you know, keep questioning and speaking up themselves. You know, that's the most important thing that we can do. And it's the easiest thing we can do. So just keep talking about it. Well, yeah. And just, you have to come where people are. I learned that from Maj. She came to Liberty Speaks last year. Just, I learned from his talk about just trying to plant seeds and come mm -hmm. where people are. And, you know, we also have pack behavior, right? We're animals. Mm -hmm. And so if we just kind of influence the people around our pack and just plant some seeds and some questions, because the thing is, I was a little harsh at times over the two years and really scared the crap out of my children when I full out truth bombed them in March of 2020 about the <laughs> vaccine that was already patented in 2017 and all that stuff. Wow. Is, is that that doesn't help the situation to full out truth someone who's in cognitive dissonance, right? Mm -hmm. And really it's scary. And also because you want them to come back to you. So it took me a few months to not be scary to people around me because actually looking back, it was pretty cruel on my part to be so truth bomby. I should have had some filters because it was kind of odd that I knew, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you were scared too. I feel like that's a reaction to your own fear and you yeah. having that knowledge and having to try and dispel it in some way. So don't mm -hmm. be too hard on yourself. I think that's my problem too, is I, you know, me being a nurse and seeing what's going on. And, um, uh, when, I mean, I just know that any medication or vaccine doesn't get released that soon. That was a huge red flag. That was supposed to be and, common knowledge. And yeah, know, that was such a huge red flag. I try to tell all of my friends and family, you know, just wait, don't do this right now. You don't know what this is going to do. 
I tried to share articles and things like that about like the studies they did with MRSA, like on the mRNA vaccines, not MRSA, um, MERS, sorry. And um, I was just like, you know, scaring half of my family to death because they, you know, they just did not know how to absorb all that information. Well, yeah, because for to to accept that the CDC, your government, is that ignorant as to do this. You're talking about the MERS vaccine where all the rats died. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by happenstance, they died from, e- they had high eosinophils and IgE. Mm-hmm. There's a huge yes. allergy component, you know? Mm-hmm. So- um, which goes back to the original origins of anaphylaxis, Charles Rickett and all those things. So it all goes back to that because we're doing, I'm actually on a study at the hospital for the use of certain types of allergy medicines with the hospitalists in day six to eight in COVID patients. So we're really trying to get the research out. And McCullough talks about this all the time and mm-hmm. you know, like more brilliantly than I ever will. But yeah, but understand that they really do believe what they believe these nurses doctors and our family members and it is profoundly mind-blowing what Mm -hmm. they actually did um yes right and it's scary that we allowed this to happen and it really can't happen again and I, i am kind of in a very weird sort of way glad that the microscope is or the magnifying glass is going on vaccine adjuvants and excipients and stuff like that. But, and this is not a vaccine. It's a biological agent that, right. You know, yeah. And they don't know how to shut it off. Right. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's some thing about, you know, you mess with the immune system enough, the immune system starts having trouble to function and stuff like that. So there's a lot of dangerous things related to that. But I'm sorry, you guys went through this. I went through this in a parallel way with you and I wish I would have mm-hmm two years ago because it's been a rough gig oh yeah well we found each other now and um you know (laughs) we've all got our our roles to play um and so we're looking forward to uh future conversations both on and off air and yeah i guess um we plan on plugging a bunch of uh links of yours and for liberty speaks the event this weekend um, in our show notes, but is there any best way for people to contact you directly? If, um, that's something that they wanted to do, um, let us know. Yeah. So the website is libertyspeaks.world and this contact us there. And that goes directly to me and Jorge, my co-founder. Those are the only two people that have access to any of that. Okay. Um, if someone wants to talk to me privately, what they can do is contact you and you can reach out to me just so you can okay. Uh, unless you mind, yeah. you know, um, yeah. or they can send a contact us to, uh, you know, the Liberty speaks dot world contact us form. Okay. Um, and then, um, that would be the better. Perfect. I'm on here right now. <laughs> All right. So I know exactly where to go. I know exactly where to send people. Um, Jesse, is there anything else we should uh, say from our end before we wrap up? No, I don't know. We're just, we're getting back into the groove. Just sorry that we've been absent. We're both, (laughs) yeah, we're both busy. We're both moms now. So I know know how it is. This is new (laughs) for me. Um, It's not yet born, uh, but now I'm in the momosphere. So Mm -hmm. looking forward to like doing some mom things with some other Liberty moms that I know are (laughs) out there, whether we've spoken to you before or not. Um, I'm going to indulge in that a little bit. Oh, that's yes. so wonderful. Congratulations to you both. You know, my children are 20 and 27. Of course, I would have done a lot of different things um, <laughs> with their medical care. Yeah. Um, from I the very beginning, uh, the day of birth. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've already got my... I'm a, I'm planning a home birth. I'm planning to have, you know, midwives, doula and do it all here. And, and even like, you know, you got to have the backup plan, but I'm very confident that if anything were to happen where I would be sent would um, be respectful enough of my plan and my wishes. 
Mm-hmm. Just um, actually, um, when we're off the air, Maddie, we should talk. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we shall. Well then. Okay. Everybody, um, you can find Jesse and I. We're still on Instagram, even though we're incredibly heavily shadow banned. I think even our backup got shadow banned, but so we're either at Voluntary Vixens or at Girl Foxes Who Nap. Um, on Twitter, we've uh, managed to hijack now both. Uh, Jesse runs the Vixens Voluntary, and I happen to be Voluntary Vixens, which wasn't available when we first tried to get on Twitter. But hello, here we are now. Um, and an email if anybody's got something a little bit more long-winded to share with us we'd love to hear from you voluntaryvixens at gmail.com um nothing fancy but um yeah like jesse said we're trying to get back into the swing of things here figuring out how to um have sufficient energy and manage our schedules and find awesome people to bring on and keep talking the way we've been talking the past few years um and then you know what other directions and other other cool and interesting people will meet we're excited for all of it so thank you again dr mavrakakis um or dr mav which is a really cool nickname um Mm -hmm. so good for you um good night everybody and we look forward to speaking to you next time um in the meantime keep it sane keep it peaceful keep it voluntary